sudden, the presence of my voice has showed up. Uh, welcome to City Church. Good to see each and every one of you uh, on this very uh, big, very exciting Sunday at City Church. Uh, tonight is our annual fall festival. You should have a little orange slip in your seat to give you all the details about that. We've got carnival games with tons of candy for the kids. Um, we've got a chili cook-off. We've got a wings cook-off, which after service, I'm heading home to make some wings. Uh, so pray over your food before you eat tonight, because I've never made wings before. But uh, I think they're going to be awesome. Pretty excited for them. Uh, we've got uh, cakewalk, hayride, bonfire, all kinds of fun stuff. And we would love, love, love for you to join us. It's at 5 o'clock at Cody and Mercedes' house. Um, and they have put together a spectacular evening for us. Uh, I know you guys are going to enjoy it. Fall Festival, uh, man, we've been doing this for like 10 years, and it has been, a, I think, a massive hit for like 10 years. Like every time uh, people love it, it's always one of the, the most exciting nights of the year here at City Church. So join us for Fall Festival uh, tonight. Also, um, in your seat, you should have noticed uh, a card that says Go Big. Go Big is a big event we are doing for our students, um, not this Wednesday night, but the following Wednesday night, November the 5th, uh, we are going to be bringing in free Taco Bell, free drinks, going to be just uh, pulling out all the stops. And the biggest stop we're pulling out, uh, we want to empower our students to reach their friends. Uh, and so Jesus said, you know, I'm going to make you fishers of men. If you're going to catch the right fish, you got to use the right bait. So we're putting some bait on a hook for teenagers, for young people, and we have a PlayStation 4 brand new that we're going to be giving away um, on November the 5th. So young people, uh, tell all your friends at school, this is your opportunity to come win a PS4. And the benefit for you is for every one of your friends that you bring who's never been to the 662, your name will go in the bucket one extra time. Uh, so the more friends you bring, the better your chances of winning the PS4. Uh, so come and join us for that, young people. If you are not a young person uh, and you are not 6th through 12th grade eligible, you got a card in your seat too. Uh, will you help us? If there's a neighbor, a nephew, a niece, a cousin, somebody that you know that needs a church home, that needs a youth ministry home in 6th through 12th grade, man, get the word out. Take that card. You can get more of them at the Connection Center. Let them know. Here's a great opportunity for you to come in, have a blast, get to know some people. We've got another church that's going to be joining us for this, uh, our friends from Walnut, Mississippi, who we went to camp with. They're coming all the way up from Walnut. They put together a video for this night. They're super excited for it. So uh, it's going to be a blast. Go big November the 5th. Don't miss it. Uh, last thing to mention to you before uh, we worship God and our tithes and our offerings, Vince already mentioned to you there's a connection card in your seat. Um, if you're a guest with us, man, please fill that out. Drop it in the offering when it comes by. If you're not a guest with us, which is most of us, um, there's a section on the back for prayer requests. Um, if you've got something going on, something that, man, that you need uh, God to move in this area of your life, feel free to use that. It's there every week. Uh, man, anytime, fill that out. Drop it in. We want to pray with you and for you, uh, for what's going on in your life. But I also want to make you aware of that section uh, for another possible use. Two weeks from today, we're going to be wrapping up our series called Ghost Stories. Um, and as we wrap up that series, I'm going to be putting together a, a little panel uh, of people to share their story and their testimony of how the Holy Spirit has impacted and changed their life. Um, and then that panel, we're going to field some questions from you guys. So if you have questions about the Holy Spirit, if you have questions about your experience, uh, questions about something you've seen at another church, something you've been taught, just questions about things you don't know, um, go ahead and, and use that section on your connection card this week, next week, um, if you kind of come up throughout the message today and, oh man, the offering buckets already went by, you can just drop it off at the Connection Center. You don't even have to put your name on it. We're not going to check up on who asked what question, uh, but go ahead and put those down. We'd love to be able to bring those to our panel and, uh, and myself and, and our team come to you and give you some answers to those questions that you have about the Holy Spirit. I'm super excited uh, for the, that end to our series. It's going to be November the 9th, two weeks from today. You can also uh, email info at citychurchob.com. You can text our church phone your questions. We'll have the phone uh, that Sunday morning for any questions that, man, that hit you in the moment. You can text them right in. Uh, but it's going to be a big, awesome day. Do not miss that two weeks from today. All right, we're going to worship God in our tithes. 
and our offerings. This part of our service is just for those of us who call City Church home. Uh, but if you do call City Church home, uh, I just wanted to share with you just what God's been doing in our life uh, over the last few, probably six, eight weeks. Um, many of you know that we had a baby, and uh, he's five and a half weeks old. His name is Judah, so he's almost to that six-week line where we can check him into Kid City. So next week he will be here, and he'll be in Kid City. So if you're in babies next week, man, come prayed up, because uh, Judah is going to change your life. No, he, he's awesome. Uh, but next week he'll be in Kid City, and Melody will be here. Uh, they'll actually be at Fall Fest tonight as well. Uh, but Judah uh, has, has brought with him so many gifts and so much stuff, and it's been amazing how much you guys have just poured out your love on our family. Uh, we, we've been just blown away by the gifts, the meals. Uh, I, I'd go through a whole list, but I know that I wouldn't hit everybody, and I'd skip a ton of people. But I want to mention a couple specific things that we have received, which have really uh, changed our lives and, and made such a difference. First of all, uh, Paula Cochran made uh, chicken enchiladas. Uh, if you've never had Paula's chicken enchiladas, you haven't lived. Uh, wow, awesome, awesome stuff. Paula, I know uh, you're in juniors today, but Leonard's going to make you listen to the podcast so you can make me more chicken enchiladas. Uh, but uh, th- those were incredible. Pam made uh, a roast with these potatoes. I don't even know what kind of potatoes they are, but my grandma used to make these potatoes, and they're my favorite thing, and I haven't had them in like 10 years since my grandma died. So Pam just brought a, a whole slew of memories, not to mention uh, calories into my life. Uh, thank you for that. Pam, uh, Lucas and Jeffy gave us a diaper changing table, and I have to be honest, when you guys gave us the diaper changing table, I was like, oh, that's cool, thank you. No idea how much I would use that stinking table. Uh, That that diaper changing table has become a permanent part of my life, uh, and and a very, very important part of my life. Uh, Thank you so much. And I could go on and on and on and pretty much pick somebody from every seat and say, man, this is what you guys gave. This was your generosity. This is how you helped us out. Mercedes coordinated all the meals, and they gave us car seats and strollers and, I mean, just tons and tons of stuff. That was Maggie's, and now they're going to have another baby, and so they're probably going to try to steal it all back. I'm not sure. Uh, But uh, you guys have just gone above and beyond, and, and so many people have, and we've been so blessed. Man, it's so amazing to see the generosity of our people. And, and here's what I felt like God showed me. Um, we've been so blessed to receive. And yet Jesus says it's more blessed to give than to receive. And so if I've been this blessed by you guys, how blessed are you? Man, what is God bringing into your life? What is God doing for you that you've shown that generosity to give? Like Jesus says in Acts chapter 20, verse 35, that it's more blessed to give than to receive. And I don't know what other opportunities you have to give. I don't know what other avenues you have to express your giving. And, man, we've received a crib, and we've received uh, just a million different things, diapers and diapers and diapers, and, wow, do we use a lot of diapers. Uh, So thank you for all of the diapers. We've been so blessed to receive, and yet God says it's even greater to give. And so as I give this morning, I encourage you, man, join us in giving. Uh, join us in, in finding out, okay, God, if it's this great to receive, and probably all of us could tell a story about a time in our life where somebody gave us something, where somebody showed up and blessed us in a way that was just beyond our imagination, and what an incredible thing that was to us. And yet, Jesus says it's even more blessed to give. So let's find out how blessed it can really be to give. Let's find out what God could really do in our life if we trusted him, if we believed him, if we stepped out in faith and said, okay, God, I love to receive. I love to get that paycheck. I love to get those gifts. But I know that I'm going to be even more blessed if I give. I guarantee you he's going to show up in a great way. So join us today as we give. Father God, we thank you for the chance to give to you. God, I thank you for the faithful people who faithfully give their tithes, go above and beyond their tithes and give offerings, God, for people who who sacrifice to grow your kingdom. And Lord, I pray today as we give that that would happen, God, that you would take every cent invested today, give us wisdom to use it well, God, multiply it uh, to bring glory to Jesus and to bring the lost into your kingdom, God. We thank you for what you're going to do, and God, I thank you that those who give today are blessed, and I can't wait to see how they're going to be blessed. We thank you for it in Jesus' name. Everyone said... Amen. Amen. As the bucket passes your row, go ahead and turn to the book of Acts. Uh, We're going to start out in Acts chapter 1 with just a couple of verses. We're going to spend most of our time today in 
what is probably my favorite chapter in the New Testament, Acts chapter 2. Uh, I love what happens in Acts chapter 2. I think it's exciting. I think it's fascinating. Uh, I, I get fired up for Acts chapter 2. And so we're going to spend most of our time there this morning. If you haven't been with us, we've been in this series called Ghost Stories, and, and we've been uh, taking this not-so-spooky approach to the Holy Spirit. We know that, that in many times, in many places, the Holy Spirit can be uh, presented scary, intimidating, weird, spooky uh, in, in a lot of different ways, and yet we believe that the Holy Spirit is uh, God's gift to us. Uh, the, the Bible says that the Father will send us the gift of the Holy Spirit, and the Holy Spirit lives in us. He lives through us. He empowers us uh, to, to go out and accomplish all the things that we couldn't do on our own, all the things that the Bible commands us to do. The Holy Spirit is, is the conduit. He's the power, the engine that enables us to be able to. And, and so we need to understand who the Holy Spirit is. We need to understand how he interacts with us. Last week, we looked at Acts chapter 1 and verse 8 and, and this powerful promise that Jesus makes that, that we will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on us and we will be his witnesses, Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, to the ends of the earth. And we just dove into that verse. If you weren't here last week, check out the podcast, citychurchob.com. Uh, we're going to break down each and every word in that verse. Today we're going to kind of go different. Instead of zooming in on one verse, we're going to zoom out and, and look at a much larger passage of Scripture uh, and so we're going to start out in Acts chapter 1, verses 4 and 5. We just want to see Jesus referring to what is going to happen in Acts chapter 2. It says, On one occasion, while he was eating with them, them being his disciples, he gave them this command. Do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift. Once again, he's referring to a gift. The gift my father promised, which you have heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. So Jesus speaking to his disciples who he's already breathed on and said, receive the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit already lives in them. They've already received salvation. Now he says there's a second experience coming. There's a gift coming. You're going to be baptized with the Holy Spirit. And he refers back to John, John the Baptist, who came to proclaim and make way the way for the Lord. Uh, he was the one who said that I baptize you with water, but Jesus is coming and he'll baptize you with the Holy Spirit. So we're going to look at this idea of this baptism of the Holy Spirit. And I know many of us uh, maybe have different teachings on this, maybe have different backgrounds, maybe have different ideas of what is this thing all about. But I want us to look at the scripture and see what happens when the baptism of the Holy Spirit shows up in the world and, and, and how does that apply to our lives. Acts chapter 2, this amazing chapter, says when the day of Pentecost came. Now, the day of Pentecost, Pentecost was one of the Hebrew feasts, one of the Jewish feasts, and it was the feast of the harvest. It was, Pente is 50. It was 50 days after Passover. And so we know that Jesus died uh, and was crucified on the Passover. The Passover is the feast to remember the sacrifice that the death angel would pass over them. And so the symbolism that, that the firstborn son had to die, uh, that the lamb had to be sacrificed for the, the blood to be placed on the rafters that the death angel could pass over. The symbolism there of Christ, okay? Jesus was coming. His blood's going to cover us. He's going to save us. We're not going to have to experience death. We're going to experience life. That came with Passover. So salvation is symbolic with Passover. And yet Pentecost is the feast of the harvest. And what we're about to see is the harvest begin. You see, Jesus said there was a harvest of souls coming. In fact, he said that the harvest fields were plentiful. We just had to pray that God would send workers into the field. And so at this day, 50 days later, 50 days after Jesus is crucified, all of a sudden the harvest is going to begin, and it's going to begin in earnest. We're going to see at the end of this chapter or the end of this passage, 3,000 people are going to come to Jesus in one shot. Man, that's a harvest. I'd love to see a day at City Church where 3,000 people came to Jesus. I'd love to see a day in Olive Branch where 3,000 people came to Jesus. I'd love to see a day in Memphis where 3,000 people came to Jesus. I'd love to see God show up and his harvest come and take root in our community, in our day and age, just like it did 2,000 years ago. And so when the day of 
Pentecost came, the Feast of the Harvest came. They were all together, they being uh, the, the followers of Jesus, these 120 dedicated followers of Christ. Suddenly a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. Now, depending on your background, this is either like the point where you shout and wave the hanky because, yeah, Jesus, like this is it. This is the power. This is the moment. And you're fired up about the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Or this is the moment where you're like, about to get weird. Right? Like, this is the ghost story. Okay, there's fire falling on people's faces. What's going on? That's not what I signed up for. So, so this is like a, a great demarcation point, depending on what your background is with this story. And yet, if we just take the story for what it is, if we just take it at face value, man, it's mind-blowing. What God did 2,000 years ago, I don't know if you got a chance to see uh, the, the miniseries, The Son of God, or not The Son of God, but the Bible miniseries that they then did the Son of God movie out of. But in the Bible miniseries, uh, they showed this scene when they went through the book of Acts. They showed the scene of the day of Pentecost, and it was so powerful. Man, it was so incredible to see that, that God's Spirit moved in such a tangible, man, just life-changing way in the lives of of his followers, and, and the result of God's spirit moving is what gets me so excited. Verse 5 says, Now they were, there were staying in Jerusalem God-fearing Jews from every nation under heaven. Let me explain this. What happened when the Jews had their feasts is Jews from, the, the Jews had what we call the diaspora. They were dispersed. If you understand the Old Testament, you know that both the, the northern kingdom of Israel and the southern kingdom of Judah, uh, they were invaded and they were taken off into captivity that God's judgment came down on them because they rebelled against God and they were sinful and so they were taken off to the surrounding empires and they were dispersed kind of all throughout the Middle East and and really throughout parts of Europe parts of Asia parts of Africa and so these Jews would would settle in these other countries and that many of them stayed there but they still served God they still believed that in order to worship they had to come back to the temple so whenever there was a, a feast they would return. They would come celebrate. I mean, just thousands of them would congregate from all over, from all these different nations. Many of them, they had been away for, for many, many generations, some of them as long as 700 years. Many of them, they didn't speak Hebrew. They didn't speak Aramaic anymore. They spoke their native language uh, of that nation where they'd grown up in, but they still believed and worshipped God. And so they came to Jerusalem. So there, there was a reason why God did this on this day. This wasn't just a coincidence. This wasn't just a, okay, we're going to show up on a particular day, or it's been long enough now. You've waited long enough. I'm going to send the Holy Spirit. God knew exactly what he was doing. This was a divine appointment where God was going to show something and proclaim something to a bunch of people who spoke different languages. He had them there in that moment and at that day for a reason. And I believe that maybe for some of you today is your divine appointment. Maybe for some of you, today is the day that God has brought you into this place for a reason. And you thought it was, well, I had to get up this morning because my wife dragged me to church. Or you thought it was, well, I actually woke up today and my alarm actually got me out of bed and I couldn't go back to sleep, so I guess I'll go to church. Or, or you thought whatever reason, or I had to come today because I was greeting, or I was counting the offering, and I didn't want to let somebody down, so I'm going to show up. But God brought you here today for a reason. Because God planned thousands of years ago for today to be a day that your life was changed just as he planned so long ago for these lives to be changed verse 6 says when they heard this sound they being these god-fearing jews who'd come from every nation when they heard the sound a crowd came together in bewilderment bewilderment because each one heard them speaking in his own language and so people from all over are there, and all of a sudden they hear these Jews, these uneducated Jews, these Jews from Galilee, which was the northern part of Israel. It was the uneducated part of Israel. It was the part they made fun of. It was like Arkansas, okay? Like that's where they were from. And these dudes from Arkansas and these women from Arkansas start speaking these other languages, and they're like, what? 
Like, what is going on? You guys don't know how to speak our language. You are not that smart. I know who you are. As they heard the sound, a crowd came together in bewilderment because each one heard them speaking in his own language. Number, or verse 7, utterly amazed, they asked, are not all these men who are speaking Galileans? Then how is it that each of us hears them in his own native language? Parthians and Medes and Elamites, residents of Mesopotamia, Judea and Cappadocia, Pontus and Asia, Phrygia and Pamphylia, Egypt and the parts of Libya near Cyrene, visitors from Rome, both Jews and converts to Judaism, Cretans and Arabs. We hear them declaring the wonders of God in our own tongues. Amazed and perplexed, they asked one another, what does this mean? mean and I know for most of us when we go through that list of places we're like I don't know where most of those places are don't get caught up in the details the focus on the big picture here there were people from all over who came and they heard their language their native tongue what they were raised up in they heard the truth of God being proclaimed by people who had no idea how to speak their language and they said something is up something is going down verse 13 some however made fun of them and said they had had too much wine. There's always a scoffer when God shows up. There is always a mocker when God wants to do something new, when God wants to change your life. There's always going to be somebody saying, oh, that ain't real. You're just putting on a show. You're just trying to make people impressed with you. You're just trying to make yourself feel better because you feel guilty about your past. Anytime God does something in somebody's life, there's going to be somebody who comes who tries to tell you that's not really what you think it is. Ignore those voices. Man, you got to learn to block out the mockers. you got to be able to, to discern the critics and say, okay, I'm not going to allow them to affect what's going on. Peter decided to speak directly to them. Verse 14, Peter stood up with the eleven, raised his voice, and addressed the crowd. Fellow Jews and all of you who live in Jerusalem, let me explain this to you. Listen carefully to what I say. These men are not drunk as you suppose. It's only nine in the morning. I think that's a great response. Uh, they ain't hung over. They haven't had time. They're not drunk. Uh, no, this is what was spoken of by the prophet Joel. And he begins to quote Joel chapter 2. And as Acts chapter 2 is one of my favorite chapters, perhaps my favorite chapter in the New Testament. Joel chapter 2 is one of my favorite chapters in the Old Testament. In the, in the book of Joel, God speaks through a prophet uh, of a day that was coming when he was going to pour out his spirit. And Peter begins to recite from the book of Joel. He says, in the last days, God says, I will pour out my spirit on all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions. Your old men will dream dreams. Even on my servants, both men and women, I will pour out my spirit in those days and they will prophesy. I will show wonders in the heaven above and signs on the earth below blood and fire and billows of smoke. The sun will be turned to darkness and the moon to blood before the coming of the great and glorious day of the Lord. And everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Don't you love when Joel prophesies about the outpouring of the Holy Spirit, that God's Spirit will be poured out on all people, men and women, young and old, black and white and Hispanic and Asian and mixed and rich and poor, that he's not going to withhold from any demographic. He's not going to discriminate between peoples. He's going to make himself available to all who would call upon the name of the Lord. And yet, even in this, talking about visions and dreams and this supernatural stuff that God's going to do, what does it come down to? What's the point? Everyone who calls upon the name of the Lord will be saved. You see, every time we see the Holy Spirit show up, every time we see the baptism of the Holy Spirit poured out, there's a direct connection to salvation. God is not just giving us his spirit for us to play with. He's not giving us his spirit for us to say, look at how great we are. Look at what I can do. Look at what's different about me than different from you. He's giving us the Holy Spirit so that we can reach the lost. And time and time and time again, we see this connection. And even in the Old Testament prophecy about this day, Joel takes it back to the point of salvation. And Peter goes on, closes his quote from Joel, and begins to tell them about this guy 
named Jesus. See, I had a friend, and I hung out with him for three years. And he died for my sins and for your sins. And God raised him from the dead. In fact, he is the son of God, and you need to place your faith in him. And he tells them this whole story about Jesus. He uses his testimony and his understanding of who Jesus is. And we fast forward to the end of the passage, verse 40 and 41. He says, with many other words, he warned them and he pleaded with them, save yourselves from this corrupt generation. Don't be like everybody else. Don't settle for normal. Normal is messed up. It's correct. It's perverse. In fact, the, the literal word here uh, means, means perverse. That, that's translated corrupt. It means it's twisted. It's taken and bent in a direction it's not supposed to go. This, this generation is off. It's not heading the way it's supposed to. I've always used the illustration with our youth of when I broke my nose. I was playing basketball about eight years ago, and I, I took an elbow right here, and my nose ended up having a right angle in it, and it did this. I had a perverse nose. Like, God designed it to go this way, and that elbow made it go this way. It was crooked. It was messed up. It didn't look like it was supposed to. Paul, Peter says that's the generation we live in. I don't think our generation today is so much different. He says, be saved from this crooked, this perverse, this nasty, messed up generation. And he pleaded with them. And then we see the greatest verse, perhaps, in all of Scripture, outside of the verses of, of, that tell us actually what Jesus did for us. But the verse that gets me so fired up, he says, those who accepted his message were baptized, and about 3,000 were added to their number that day. We baptized four people last week, and I thought it was awesome. Like, and it was awesome, by the way. If you got baptized last week, man, we are thrilled. Come on, let's give it up for the four who took that step of water baptism last week. Can you imagine a baptism service and 3,000 people get baptized? Like, spontaneous, in their clothes, didn't have a towel, didn't come with a bathing suit, just, I need to get baptized right now. That's what's up. That's the power of God right there. Man, that's the Holy Spirit. And that's what we want to see. That's the, the amazing thing that God did through his spirit. I want to talk to you today about the baptism of the Holy Spirit. I want to talk to you about it very, very directly. We're going to answer three basic questions this morning as well as we can. And I know that, that for some, perhaps, we won't have time to pull, fully unpack all of your questions. And that's why we're doing the Q&A in two weeks. If you've got further questions, if you want more information we want to make that available to you. But I want to get us started in our study on the Holy Spirit with, with three very basic questions about the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Number one, what is the baptism of the Holy Spirit? Number two, what happens to someone baptized in the Holy Spirit? In other words, what happens to me if I decide I want to do this? What am I going to feel? What am I going to experience? What's going to happen? Number three, how can I be baptized in the Holy Spirit? What do I do? What are the steps? So starting off with this first question, what is the baptism of the Holy Spirit? Well, the best way that I can sum that question up is the baptism of the Holy Spirit is when Jesus sends the Holy Spirit to empower his disciples. Baptism of the Holy Spirit is when Jesus sends the Holy Spirit to empower those who are already his disciples. The baptism of the Holy Spirit opens the door to a variety of supernatural giftings. Uh, we see in 1 Corinthians chapter 12 a listing of nine gifts of the Holy Spirit, which I believe the baptism of the Holy Spirit opens the door for us to, to begin to walk in. We see gifts of prophecy and tongues and interpretation and word of wisdom, word of knowledge, gifts of faith, gifts of working in miracles, uh, gifts of healing, uh, discernment of spirits. We see these nine supernatural gifts that I believe the baptism of the Holy Spirit opens the door for us to begin to experience. Uh, tongues is the gift most often synonymous with the baptism of the Holy Spirit. We see right here. Acts chapter 2, again and again throughout the book of Acts, they'll receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit. They speak in tongues. Uh, we call tongues the initial evidence of the baptism of the Holy Spirit. The tongues is not the greatest gift of the baptism of the Holy Spirit. In fact, Paul says it's probably the least significant of the nine gifts of the baptism of the Holy Spirit. It's not one to be glorified. It's not one to be exalted. It's the entry point. It's the starter gift uh, that, that the baptism of the Holy Spirit uh, brings in to our life. Um, ultimately, the purpose of the baptism of the Holy Spirit is to empower his followers to be witnesses. That's why he sends it. You will receive power, dunamis, dynamite, dynamic power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. And you will be 
my witness. That's the purpose. That's the point. Yes, there's a whole package of gifts that can come with it. Yes, there's other stuff. Uh, man, we see people delivered when they're baptized in the Holy Spirit. We see people set free from stuff. We see people just discover an intimacy with God that they've never had before. There's a whole ton of other benefits with the baptism of the Holy Spirit. But the number one reason why somebody should desire this, the number one reason why you should say, hey, I want to take this step, is power to witness. God wants to save people through you. God wants to use you to keep people out of hell. That is the most important, the greatest purpose that any of us could ever walk in. God wants to speak through you, to speak life, to speak boldly, to speak directly. He wants you to know when is it time to speak and when is it time to listen. When is it time to ask questions? When is it time to provide answers? When is it time to go directly? When is it time to wait? God wants you to know those things. And the baptism of the Holy Spirit is the greatest step we can take to walk in that power. Pentecost. This day, the feast actually in Hebrew is called Shavuot. And the feast of of Shavuot is the the feast of the beginning of the wheat harvest. As soon as the wheat harvest began to turn, this celebration would take place. And so we see on the day of Pentecost, the beginning of the harvest. The day where it all takes place. You and I, whether you ever speak in tongues, whether you decide, okay, this baptism of the Holy Spirit stuff isn't for me, and I'm going to a church that isn't spooky and isn't scary, and I'm gone. You may make that decision today, and if you make that choice, we love you anyway. But understand this. You are a descendant of Pentecost. I'm a descendant of Pentecost, and I was long before I got baptized in the Holy Spirit because the baptism of the Holy Spirit came on the day that the harvest began. If you're a Christian, if you've received salvation, this is your spiritual ancestry right here. This is how it started. This is how we began to discover salvation. The baptism of the Holy Spirit is the baptism of the harvest. If you're into the harvest, if you're into reaching lost souls, if it breaks your heart that you have family members that don't know Jesus, if it breaks your heart that you have coworkers or neighbors that don't know Jesus, and let me say this, it should. If it breaks your heart, you need to be all about the baptism of the Holy Spirit. You need to be fired up about the baptism of the Holy Spirit. If it doesn't break your heart, then you probably need to be baptized in the Holy Spirit because it should break your heart. Man, it should should hurt that people that we care about don't know Jesus. That should bother us. It should do something inside of us. Second question, what happens when you're baptized in the Holy Spirit? Like we said last week, the Holy Spirit comes on you, not just in you, you've already received the Holy Spirit in you if you're saved. Uh, but the baptism of the Holy Spirit, he's going to come on you as well. You are given what we call a prayer language. Uh, the prayer language is your evidence that you've been baptized in the Holy Spirit. It's your initial spiritual gift. It's your direct line to God. Uh, what the Bible teaches us about the, the ability to pray in tongues. And understand this, there's kind of uh, two separate uses for the gift of tongues, there's the gift of tongues with interpretation, where someone would have a word in a tongue, in a foreign uh, tongue that none of us understand. Maybe it's an earthly language, maybe it's a heavenly language, doesn't really matter, none of us know it. And then somebody else would receive the interpretation of that, and basically works like prophecy, in, in conjunction where the two gifts work together, where God can get a message to his people. Uh, so that's, that's the gift of tongues. Uh, but there's also the, the prayer language that we all receive when we're saved. Or not when we're saved, when we're baptized in the Holy Spirit, excuse me. And that prayer language is your direct line to God. It's not for you to share with everybody else. It's not really for you to share with anybody else. It's you speaking directly to God. The Bible, uh, Paul says that uh, you utter mysteries with your spirit. You don't know what you're praying. Here's the beauty of it. I don't know what challenge is going to come up at City Church on Sunday morning. I don't know when the enemy's got a plan for the power to go out or when the enemy's got a plan for some crazy person to come in here and do whatever crazy thing crazy people do. Uh, I don't know what attack might be lined up for City Church. God does. And so when I pray in the Spirit before Sunday morning, I'm allowing God to pray His perfect will through me. I'm tapping into this gift that God has given me to pray these mysteries. I don't know what I'm praying for. I don't know who's coming that maybe needs to be saved that day. And, man, God's going to give me something to say directly to their situation. I have no clue about it. I don't know what specific thing. Maybe it's something that's going to happen to one of our kids in Kid City. 
And, man, God gives me the opportunity to pray that thing, that that kid's going to be protected, that somebody's in there that knows the Heimlich maneuver. I don't know. I'm not, don't freak out that your kid's choking. It's not what I'm saying. Uh, what I'm saying is I love, especially as a new dad, I love knowing that I can pray God's perfect will for my kid. I don't know what the enemy wants to do to him. But I know God has plans to prosper him, to protect him, and not to harm him. And I love the ability that God has given me to tap into praying his perfect will over my family, over my house, over my church, over my friends, over myself, my life. It's an amazing, amazing opportunity that God gives us. And and so many of you, you've maybe come to City Church for years, and you've never heard me speak one word in tongues. And you're like, I don't know that you really do this. Prove it to me right now. No. Uh, because that would be disobedient, because the Bible tells me that outside of having an interpreter, I'm not supposed to speak in tongues in a church service, because all it's going to do is distract and cause confusion and take away from what God is trying to do. So we submit to the Word of God at City Church. We believe that God has ordained uh, an order and, and a way for us to do this, to operate in His gifts. But please, please, please don't make the mistake of thinking that because you never heard it, don't mean it happens, because I promise you every single Sunday before I hit this stage, I've prayed in the Spirit that morning. And I believe the days that it's the best Sundays are the days where I prayed in the Spirit the most, where I gave God the most time to pray His perfect will that He would speak through me perfectly and clearly that He would take me out of the way. So you're given that prayer language, that direct line to God. God does not take control of your tongue if you get baptized in the Holy Spirit. A lot of people have this idea that, okay, God, I'm asking for the baptism of the Holy Spirit, You're going to send a tongue of fire. It's going to land on my head, and all of a sudden I'm going to start speaking in this other language. It doesn't really work that way. What God does is God deposits in you a new ability to speak in a new language. Uh, And you don't comprehend that language, but you have a new set of syllables, a new set of words, new sounds that you've never made before that you have the ability to speak out. You are in control of it. In fact, in 1 Corinthians 14, Paul says that the spirit of prophets, prophets being those who operate in these spiritual gifts he just laid out, is subject to the control of the prophets. So I don't speak in tongues when all of a sudden God zaps me with a heavenly lightning bolt and boom, I want you to speak in tongues. That's not how it works. I speak in tongues when I choose to speak in tongues. He's given me that gift, and now I have the ability to do it, just like I speak in English when I feel like speaking in English and when I decide I'm going to speak. My mind engages and tells my mouth to speak, and I do it. So God gives me that ability. He doesn't grab my tongue. He doesn't possess me. God does not possess us. The Holy Spirit does not possess us. That's a different kind of spirit. That's a different kind of ghost story. Uh, That does happen. We believe in possession. We believe there is an enemy and that there are demons, and we believe that that is possible. Uh, But that's not what this is. God doesn't take control of you. All he does is he gives you and empowers you with a new ability that you choose, am I going to walk in this right now or not? Why is that important? Well, it's important because if you're like, well, I don't want to get baptized in the Holy Spirit because if I go into work and I start speaking in tongues, I'm going to lose my job. Uh, You're not going to go to work and start speaking in tongues in front of your boss unless you just decide to, in which case I don't advise it. Uh, You would be walked outside of scriptural uh, requirements and and directions on how to use this gift. Uh, So don't freak out about that. You're going to be in control. Now, if you're baptized in the Holy Spirit and you're in this room right now, and I know quite a few of you are, uh, can I say this, and this is to myself as much as anybody else, we probably need to use this gift more than we do. We probably don't have any idea the amazing things that God would have been able to do in our life if we would have prayed his perfect will a little bit more. If we would have tapped in to this incredible thing that he's given us access to. Uh, man, we've got to pray in the Spirit. We've got to give him time every day. To, to speak through us, to, to empower us in this way. Um, so God does not take control of you. Uh, your flesh can fight this really hard. Uh, if you decide, I want to get baptized in the Holy Spirit, you can have a, a wrestling match inside of you. Let me just say this. The enemy doesn't want this for you. Satan doesn't want a bunch of people empowered and bold to witness. Satan doesn't want a bunch of people praying God's perfect will. He wants anything but that for you. And so he's going to give you every reason in the book why this is not for you. Well, I wasn't raised that way. I'm not really sure about this. It's kind of confusing. It's kind of scary. I think it might be Satan. He's going to give all kinds of reasons why you don't need to take 
this step. Your flesh is going to give you a bunch of reasons. I don't want to be weird. I grew up in a very Pentecostal family. I was around this my whole life. So speaking in tongues did not freak me out, but I'll tell you what did. Uh, I didn't want to get baptized in the Holy Spirit because I was afraid that I was going to raise my hands in worship. Uh, everybody I knew that was baptized in the Holy Spirit lifted their hands in worship, and I didn't want to be that guy. I didn't want to be weird. I didn't want to stand out in the middle of worship, uh, and so I didn't want to get baptized in the Holy Spirit. He's going to find whatever reason works for your flesh, whatever reason that, that man, you're afraid of, whatever thing you attach to it, whatever significance you put on it, he's going to give you that reason not to get baptized in the Holy Spirit. Why? Because he doesn't want you to. Now, me, I'm like, okay, if Satan doesn't want me to do something, that's a good indication that I probably want to do that thing. It's a good thing for me. But most importantly, God, I believe, absolutely does want this for you. I know people who've been baptized in the Holy Spirit but did not speak in tongues immediately. Maybe some of you in this room would say, okay, I, I prayed to receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Somebody laid hands on me, and I was sincere, and I was earnest, and, man, I just really, really wanted it, and nothing ever happened. Um, I've seen people many times who, who were in that mode, and, man, they, they had some sort of a mental block. Uh, man, the enemy was telling them, this isn't real, this isn't for you, you're not good enough. The enemy was pointing them to this sin, to this thing in their past. You can't do it because of this. God's not going to give you this because you've got this going on. Uh, and, and he points to all these things. Uh, and when they deal with that, when they remove that roadblock, all of a sudden they discover that they had this, this gift. And they didn't have to go back and ask God for it again. They actually had it. They just didn't have the ability to access it yet. So I'm not saying if you decide, hey, I'm going to pray for the baptism of the Holy Spirit, I'm not saying you're going to speak in tongues today. I think most of the time you probably will, but maybe for some of you, you won't. It's not about the tongue. The tongue's cool. I'm glad I have the tongue. You want the tongue. Eventually the tongue's going to come, but it's not about the tongue. It's about the power to witness. And so don't get so hung up on, do I have this ability? Can I speak these words out? That, that's, man... That's where we get focused on the wrong thing. Focus on, okay, God, I want whatever you have for me. And I want as much of you as I can get. And I want you to have as much of me as, the, as I've got. I want you to have all of me. And so I give you all that I am, and I ask you to empower me to witness. Uh, the Holy Spirit empowers you to witness. He increases your boldness. Uh, as far as what does it feel like when you get baptized in the Holy Spirit, I'm going to tell you my story in just a minute. Um, and I want you, I'm going to tell you, I'm going to say this before I tell you my story. Don't get hung up on the particulars of my story because everybody I know who's ever been baptized in the Holy Spirit has a different story. That's why we're going to do some ghost stories in two weeks, and we're going to put together a team, and we're going to share with you our stories on the baptism of the Holy Spirit. So you can don't put into this box that, okay, this is what happened to Pastor Troy, and this is what's got to happen to me. This is what it looks like. This is how the baptism of the Holy Spirit works. Everybody's story is different. And so for me, mine was very dramatic. It was very... Uh, emotional. It was very powerful. It was very kind of over the top. I know a lot of people who wasn't that way. It was very quiet. It was very gentle. It was very peaceful. I know people who didn't feel anything at all. Uh, and, and the best thing I can do to compare it to is this, is salvation. I know Christians who are all over the place when it comes to their salvation story. I know Christians who had the most emotional, crazy God experience when God saved them and they knew in that moment that was it. I know people who took a step and said, okay, God, I want you, and they felt nothing, and yet their life changed, and they were completely different from that point forward. You see, the, the power is not in the emotional experience. God puts in us our emotions. Our emotions are in our soul. We have a, a body, a soul, and a spirit. Our emotions are in our soul. What God does to you is in your spirit. Baptism of the Holy Spirit is in your spirit. Salvation is in your spirit. Sometimes the things that happen in our spirit spill over into our emotions, and it's awesome. I love those times when, man, I spiritually can feel something awesome that's going on. But sometimes I pray for things, and I don't feel anything. And holy, wow, God showed up, and he answered that prayer. And it's amazing. And sometimes I pray for stuff, and I feel God's presence, and harps are playing, and angels are singing, and man, it's a God moment, and nothing happens. Because the emotion doesn't determine the power. The emotion doesn't determine if God showed up or not. So don't get caught up in, hey, did I get these Holy Ghost chill bumps or did God give me these tears or did God do this or did God do that? I can't tell you what it will feel like because everybody I know their experience was different. Don't get caught up in the feeling. It's not about a feeling. Don't get baptized in the Holy Spirit because you want to feel something. That's not the purpose. It's not so I can get some cool feeling. Baptism in the Holy Spirit is so that you can be empowered to change the world. 
to change the world that God has placed you in, to change your workplace, to change your family, to change your neighborhood, to change your church. That's the purpose. The purpose is not so I can get some kind of a feeling. So don't focus on what does it feel like. It's important to remember that what's happening is in your spirit and not in your soul. And so that you understand that, hey, I may have emotions, I may have feelings, I may not. Um, number three, our last question today is, how can I be baptized in the Holy Spirit? Say you're not baptized in the Holy Spirit today, and somehow God has spoken through me, through his word, and you say, you know what, I, I think this is for me. I think this is a step that I want to take. I want to experience this. I want to know what God could do through me. I want to see how God could use me in my workplace in a greater way. I want to see how God could use me and my family in a greater way. I want to see how God could, could begin to do something new in me that I've never seen before. Maybe that's you this morning, or maybe that's going to be you over the next couple of weeks. And if that's you, here's what I would say. How do you be baptized in the Holy Spirit? Number one, I'm going to actually use letters here. So letter A, uh, be a Christian. Uh, first thing you need to do if you want to get baptized in the Holy Spirit is you got to know Jesus. Uh, this is the, the biblical uh, order that takes place here. In fact, in the book of Acts, we see a guy named Simon the Sorcerer, I believe in Acts chapter 8. Simon wasn't a Christian. In fact, he was very demonically empowered, and he did some pretty crazy stuff. And he saw the disciples going around laying hands on people and praying for them, and they're baptized in the Holy Spirit. He says, I want that. And so he offered to buy it from them. How much can I pay you for you to give me this power? And uh, let me just say, he didn't get the power. Uh, in fact, he got convicted, uh, and he got told, you were probably going to go burn in hell. I had one of the exact words, but that's the Troy version. Uh, and he realized real quick that this wasn't just something to mess around with and something to play with. He needed to get saved. He didn't need to worry about if he could lay hands on people and get them baptized in the Holy Spirit. So, uh, first of all, be a Christian. If you're not a Christian today, I don't want you to hear me talk about, I need to get baptized in the Holy Spirit. If you're not a Christian today, you need to give your life to Jesus. Man, Passover came before Pentecost. Man, the, the, the redemption through Jesus is, is more important than the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Man, get that first. Get that taken care of. Give your life to Jesus, and then we can worry about helping you take these next steps. Uh, so most of us in this room probably are a Christian, and you're qualified. Uh, so first thing is be a Christian. Second thing is ask the Father. Um, I think it's real important for us to study Scripture and, and to understand what does the Bible say. Now, there are people who have been baptized in the Holy Spirit who didn't ask the Father. Uh, I'm not saying this is the only way, uh, but as far as I understand it scripturally, I want to do it God's way. Uh, and I know that God has done it probably many, many, many other ways, uh, but this is what he says in Scripture. In Luke chapter 11, Jesus is speaking, he says this, I say to you, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives. The one who seeks finds. And the one who knocks, the door will be opened. Verse 11, which of you fathers, if your son asks for a fish, will give him a snake instead? Or if he asks for an egg, will give him a scorpion? If you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? Ask and you will receive. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened. See, sometimes it doesn't happen instantly. Sometimes it's ask and you receive and it's boom. Man, that was awesome. Sometimes it's seek and you find. Sometimes it's knock and knock and knock and the door will be opened. Everybody's situation is different. Everybody's baggage is different. Some of us grew up in, in churches that walked in this and we've seen it abused and seen it trampled on. And I, I spoke with somebody this morning who said, man, I was so terrified of this because I'd seen how it had been used so wrongly. And yet, man, I'm so glad that I received it. And I'm so glad that I was able to walk into that experience in a, in a peaceful way, in a right way, and led into it through wisdom. Uh, some of us were not raised up in this at all, and we're terrified of it because we were told that it was wrong, that it was sinful, that it was satanic, that it just wasn't, that it was expired, that, it, that was, the gift wasn't uh, alive anymore. Um, and so we have all kinds of different places that we're coming from with this. And the more baggage you have, maybe sometimes it, it might require a little more knocking. Uh, but I promise you that if you ask, the Father will give good gifts. And if us who are evil can give good gifts to our kids, God says, how much more will the Father in heaven give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? So if you want to receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit, don't ask me. I can't give it to you. Ask the Father. Go to the Father in heaven and say, I want to receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit. 
what's interesting here is John says that Jesus will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. Jesus says, ask the Father, and he'll send the Holy Spirit. How does all this work? I think it's really cool. The entire Trinity is involved in this process. What actually happens is, is we go before the Father. The Father's the ultimate judge. He sits on the throne. Uh, he's in, in charge. Uh, and so we go to the Father, and we say, I want to receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit. You know what he says? He says, all right, Jesus, I want you to baptize them in the Holy Spirit. And Jesus says, all right, Holy Spirit, I'm taking you, and we're going to baptize this individual in your spirit. And so all three of them are, are involved in the process, which I think is such a, it's a cool, beautiful thing. That, but we go to the Father. We don't ask the Holy Spirit. And I know, man, I'm sure a million people have asked the Holy Spirit to be baptized in the Holy Spirit, and they've received it anyway because God, man, can work through our ignorance. But we don't have to be ignorant. We can see what his word actually says, and the word says to ask the Father. So that's what we're going to do. We go to the Father who gives good gifts. Uh, third thing I would suggest to you, worship Jesus. Worship Jesus. First Corinthians talks a ton about how none of us can say Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. Uh, the Holy Spirit's the one who, who allows us to worship. And so as we walk into worship, if you say, okay, Father, I'm going to receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit, and then you're standing there and nothing's happening, begin to worship. Just begin to thank God for what he's done in your life. You know a worship song you want to sing, and then that enables you to walk into worship easier? Walking it through that song, if you just want to begin to tell him in your own words how awesome he is, just begin to worship him. Begin to, to lift him up. Uh, D, uh, if you want to be baptized in the Holy Spirit, push through the doubt. Almost everybody I've ever known who's walked into this has experienced some doubt at some point. They said, you know what, I'm not sure this is, I don't know if it's the right time. I don't know if I know what I'm doing. Uh, can I tell you this? You don't know what you're doing. I'll just get that one out of there right now. You don't know what you're doing. How many of us understood salvation completely when we received it? Zero, right? I don't see any hands going up. I, under, I got salvation. Most of us don't understand salvation now. You don't have to understand it to receive it. I'm just really glad that I got it. Praise God that I got it, and I'm trying to discover more understanding of it every day. You're not going to understand everything about the baptism of the Holy Spirit before it happens. Don't try to think through every little detail, and I'm not saying not to ask questions. I'm not saying to turn off your brain. You can ask those questions, but understand this. You're probably not going to just get it. It's not all going to make sense. Salvation doesn't make sense. God leaving heaven and coming to earth to die for my sins doesn't make sense. But, man, I believe it, and, man, I'm grateful for it. And the baptism of the Holy Spirit isn't always going to add up 100%. There's always going to be some doubt. There's always going to be some things that, that we say, okay, I'm not sure about this. Push through the doubt. Man, push through the, the things that the enemy is going to deposit in your mind. Push through it. E, boldly speak out your prayer language. Uh, as God begins to deposit that in you, he's going to sometimes maybe just give you one syllable, and you're going to feel like an idiot speaking this one syllable, and it makes no sense, and why am I saying this? And a lot of times it's almost like uh, the, the best illustration I've heard for it is it's almost like a cork uh, that's popped. And as soon as you let that syllable out, your language is going to start coming tumbling out and start pouring out. Some people, they only get a few syllables at a time. Some people, it's almost like, like a child learning a new language, and God's going to give you a few syllables, and then he's going to give you more, and he's going to give you more as you walk through it. Some people, they get, man, the whole thing at once. Well, why is it different? I don't know. I don't understand it all. I don't comprehend it all. I don't have to understand it all. I'm not in charge of it. But I'm telling you, it's good. I'm telling you, it's going to benefit your life. Um, so boldly speak out your prayer language. When I say boldly, uh, here's the, the tendency. Here's the, the temptation is, I'm going to bold and I'm going to sing like this, and I'm like, I don't know how I feel if it's comfortable, and maybe I'll speak. Don't do that. Speak. Let it come out. Man, okay. I've, I believe that God gives good gifts to those who ask him, and I've asked him, and so I'm going to boldly speak this thing out, and I don't care how weird it sounds. I don't care how uncomfortable it is. I'm going to speak this thing out. And as you begin to hear yourself, it's going to build your faith. Faith comes by hearing. And so you're going to get more and more faith to walk in this gift. Um, F, you want to get baptized in the Holy Spirit once you've begun to speak out that prayer language. Boldly take over the world, or at least take over your world, for the glory of Jesus. Remember, the baptism of the Holy Spirit is not given to you for you. It's given to you to empower you for them. This is not a selfish 
thing. Don't get caught up in, well, now I've got this gift, and now I can do this. And all that stuff is great, and you're going to be a better person. You're going to be a better Christian. You're going to be a better father, a better mother, a better teacher, a better friend. All that stuff's going to come, yes. But the most important thing is there's a world that's dying and going to hell. And that's why God sends the baptism of the Holy Spirit, to send you out into that world that needs Jesus. And so we got to keep the focus. we got to remember, why did God give this thing to me to begin with? Why did God call me to receive this baptism? What, what is the point of this? And we go back to the day of Pentecost. The first time God sent the Holy Spirit, 3,000 people got saved. And I believe that God still sends the Holy Spirit today. I believe that God still moves through the Holy Spirit today. And I believe that people still need salvation today. And that this thing is available to you and to me. I promise you, I'd tell you my story. I'm almost out of time. I'll try to keep it to a five-minute version. Um, I grew up in a, in a spirit-filled, quote-unquote, Pentecostal, whatever label you want to put on it, home. Um, and my grandfather was actually an Assemblies of God pastor. Uh, and so my mom grew up as a, as a pastor's kid. And uh, that side of the family was all about speaking in tongues, all about the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Like, you got to have this. And so grandma and grandpa would send us to summer camp. Uh, and they'd send us to summer camp, and we'd get back, and we'd call them and say, thank you, I had a blast at camp. And the first question from Grandma and Grandpa every year was, did you get baptized in the Holy Spirit? Uh, and, and so I, I began to, like, not look forward to that phone call because my answer was always no. And then they'd be disappointed, and they felt like they wasted 100 bucks to send me to camp because uh, that was their reason they were sending me to camp to get baptized in the Holy Spirit. And so uh, I had been baptized in water when I was 12 years old by my parents' requirement, in fact, um, it was Super Bowl Sunday, and it was a Sunday night service, and I had to leave the Super Bowl party to go get baptized, and I was ticked. Uh, just, just being real. Uh, Cowboys and the Bills were on, and I had to go get baptized, and this was terrible. Um, and so I made a decision. I was like, I'm not getting baptized in the Holy Spirit for anybody else. Like, when I get baptized in the Holy Spirit, I'm doing it for me. Um, I'm not letting anybody pressure me into this, push me into this. I'm going to do it when I'm ready. I don't care how much pressure I get. So I was kind of stubborn, almost rebellious about this thing. Um, I was homeschooled first through seventh grade. And uh, homeschooled, total nerd, like whatever homeschool stereotypes. You know, there's some cool homeschool kids. I was not one of them. Um, I, was, I was the stereotype. Uh, and so finally, I begged my mom, begged my mom, begged my parents, let me go to public school, let me go to public school. So finally in eighth grade, they said, all right, you can go to public school. So I finally went to public school in eighth grade. We lived in Seattle, Washington, the inner city. 3% of the population goes to church. Nobody at my school, like almost nobody at my school went to church. And so I, I go, and I love my youth group, and I love God, and I'm a Christian. And I want to tell these people, man, there's a God who can save you. There's a God who can change your life. And I am completely incapable of opening my mouth and saying anything. So every day I'd go to school, I'd go to lunch, I'd go to class, and I'd be surrounded by these people. I know that probably everybody in that classroom didn't know Jesus except me. But I did not have the capacity to tell them that there was a God who loved them. There was a Savior who died for them. I couldn't do it. And so uh, I, I went through this for, for a, a few weeks, and I remember it was September 19th, 1994. And September 19th, 1994, uh, it was a Friday. And uh, we lived in Seattle, which is like on the West Coast where all the earthquakes happen. Uh, so there was a youth rally that night, and it was called Youthquake. And it was Youthquake 2.0. They were building. There was Youthquake 1.0 and then 2.0. And, yes, this is really cheesy, but this is what happened. Uh, and then I went to Youthquake, not because I wanted to go to Youthquake, but because we had aftershocks. And aftershocks was when we had the YMCA rented out afterwards uh, to go play racquetball and swim and basketball and all this stuff. So I went to go to, to aftershocks. And so it was about 30 minutes away from our town. We lived in Seattle. It was in Everett. So we drove up to Everett to go to this youth rally. And I remember I was with my friends or whatever. And I, I can remember so much about this night. Like, it's crazy. I remember the ride up there. I remember playing stupid mash in the church van. Like, I remember stupid little details about this. Uh, and so no idea what God's about to do in my life. We get there. I remember zero about what the guy preached on. I remember zero about the worship service. I don't remember anything. All I remember is there was a, an invitation at the end of service. And, and the pastor who spoke, his name was Benny Perez. He's a pastor now in Las Vegas. Uh, Benny Perez said, if you want to receive salvation or if you want to get baptized in the Holy Spirit, come down. And here's what God did in me um, through this service, and i got to make this really, really quick. 
I couldn't tell anybody about Jesus. I knew a guy named Gary. Gary was a youth leader in our church. He was about 20 years old. Gary had just been saved off the streets about six months before. Gary was a, was a coke addict, um, messed around with heroin, like living on the streets. He was every stereotype of a junkie that you could come up with. Uh, and God got a hold of him and turned his whole life around. And now if you went anywhere with Gary, he was telling people about Jesus. Uh, you go to McDonald's with Gary, and he's witnessing to the person behind the counter, and so I am not standing in line with you. I'm getting in that line because you're weird. Like, you're terrifying. Uh, and, and yet I looked up to him so much. And so here I am sitting in this service, and the preacher's preaching about who knows what, and all I can think that God is showing me is, why is it that Gary, who's been a Christian for just a few months, why is it that he can tell anybody about Jesus? And you've been a Christian your whole life. And you can't even tell somebody at school that you go to church. You can't even pray over your meal. You're so terrified of what these people will think. What's the difference? And God said, the difference is Gary's baptized in the Holy Spirit. And you're not. And so I went down. And I, I made a beeline for my youth pastor. My youth pastor's name was Jeff. And I was like, I'm going to Jeff. I'm not messing with any of these other people. Jeff's praying with me. So I got down and Jeff's praying with somebody else. And there's other people available. I'm like, no, I'm good. I'm praying with Jeff. Uh, so, so Jeff gets done praying for this other punk. And uh, this is how I felt at 13 years old or 14, whatever. Uh, and so I, I go down and I say, Jeff, I said, man, I need to get baptized in the Holy Spirit. It's my time. He said, awesome. And he turned to the guy next to him, and the guy next to him was Gary. And Gary had just got done praying with somebody else. He said, we're going to pray with Troy to receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And I said, I want you to put your hands up in the air. My greatest fear, right? The one thing, I didn't want to get baptized in the Holy Spirit because I don't want to raise my hands. Put your hands up in the air. Come on, God, really? <laughs> so I put my hands up in the air. He said, I want you just to begin to tell Jesus you love him and begin to tell the Father that you want to be baptized in the Holy Spirit. In 0.2 seconds, I mean, like, divine appointment, this was my night, my God thing. And again, I'm not telling you this to compare it to, this is not, I'm a better baptized in the Holy Spirit person than you because yours took 10 minutes or two hours or three months. I'm not, don't get into that. I'm just saying this is what happened to me. This is my story. And, I mean, immediately I received a prayer language and I began praying this thing out. And I began to weep, and I know that shocks you guys. Um, and, and, and I remember, for me, and this is what, again, please don't compare, because most likely this will not happen to you. But for me, I got physically sick. Like, my stomach began to hurt so bad that we left and went to aftershocks, and I was stuck in the back of the church van while everybody went in and played racquetball and basketball and swam, the whole reason why I came. And I sat in the back of the church van with a messed up stomach and prayed in the spirit. And what happened in me that night, and, and I don't have time to get into all the details, but I'll just tell you this. Um, God changed me. I mean, God changed me. And I received the power to witness and I'm not going to stand here and say I've never been afraid to share my faith or I've never been scared. That, that would be a lie. There have been times where I've been intimidated. There have been times where I've probably missed it. But, man, it's nothing like it used to be. I couldn't stand up here. In fact, I would have never stood up in front of a group of four people and talked to them about Jesus before this happened. The very next Wednesday night, I gave my testimony at my youth group for the very first time. Um, within a month, I had led nine of my friends to Christ. Not, not to my glory, simply to the glory of God and the power, the baptism of the Holy Spirit. I've never been the same since. That, to me, is it's my, it's my testimony. Like, I got saved super, super young. Like, I don't have, like, this powerful, like, I was suicidal and I was a drug addict and I was in whatever, you know. Like, I don't have that testimony. I've pretty much known Jesus as long as I can remember. But the baptism of the Holy Spirit changed my life. And so, is it going to be that dramatic for you? I can't promise that. Are you going to feel the same thing that I felt? I can't promise that. Are you going to receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit in 0.2 seconds like I did? I can't promise that. Here's what I can tell you. The baptism of the Holy Spirit will give you power to witness. And if you see in your life right now, you're here as a witness, but you know you're supposed to be here, or you're here, 
and you know you're supposed to be here, or you're here, and you know you're supposed to be here, or you're not even on the grid, and you just want to show up. God has made a way to empower you, to give you boldness, to give you words to say, to give you an ability to go out and tell people who are lost, who are dying, who are going to that he sent a Savior to make a way for them to have eternity with him. And the greatest way for you to do that is to receive and walk in the power of the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Does it mean that you can't witness without it? You may be like right here. You may be like really, really close to where you're supposed to be. Man, I'm already, you may be amazed. God just blows the door off, blows the lid off, blows the ceiling off. And all of a sudden, man, you're Billy Graham. And all of a sudden, you're, you are an evangelism machine that God uses to, to take over nations for the glory of God. I believe that it's going to radically increase your potential to reach people for the glory of God. And I cannot recommend the baptism of the Holy Spirit any harder. I can't give it any higher recommendation. There's no decision I've made in my life outside of salvation that I can tell you, man, this is it. And you need this, like the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And uh, some of you are shaking your head, and man, I can tell, like, you have done this, and you're with me, and you're in it, and some of you, your eyes are this big, and you're like, when is he going to stop talking? Uh, I'm I'm about to stop. Uh, But I'm telling you, don't miss what God has for you. What we're going to do in just a minute, I'm going to have you bow your heads and close your eyes, and and when I do, I'm going to have you slip up your hand if you say, hey, I want to take this step. I want to see what God has for me in this area. Kenneth is going to be right over here at this door. Once you slip up your hand and look at me, I'm going to ask you just to get up and come over to him. Nobody's going to see you. Nobody's even going to know who you are. Kenneth's going to usher you into this back office room. Uh, He's going to begin to pray with you. Uh, I'm going to wrap up out here, dismiss everybody else, and then I'm going to come join you. And we're going to pray. And maybe it takes five minutes. Maybe it takes 15 minutes. Maybe it takes 20 minutes. Maybe it takes longer. I don't know. But we're going to ask and receive. We're going to seek and we're going to find and we're going to knock and the door will be open. If you are baptized in the Holy Spirit and, and walking in this and confident in this, um, I would invite you to join us. We'd love to have you to pray with us, to lay hands on people and to help them to, to take this step. Um, if this isn't for you today, doesn't make you less of a city church member. doesn't mean, man, that this isn't the church for you. We love you, and, and maybe this isn't your time. Uh, but I would say this. At least pray about it. At least go before God and say, okay, God, am I wrong? Am I missing it? Is there really something to this? Because I really believe if you will open your heart and your mind to what God wants to do in this area, I really think he's going to tell you this is for you. And I think you're going to be amazed at the power.